Welcome to Chamberlain University's MSN CourseCast. Each episode in our series will introduce and discuss key concepts from the modules in one of your courses. These episodes are intended to enhance your learning when you're on the go, so feel free to listen to them anytime and anywhere. Dr. Mariah Hocken, and thank you for joining us on our podcast for creating a culture of safety for NR529. I have Dr. Kathy Holloway with me today, and we will be discussing how to create that culture of safety. We'll discuss a little bit about medic medical errors and how to perform a root cause analysis. And we hope that you enjoy our discussion today about that culture of safety. Dr. Holloway, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Kathy Holloway. I've been in nursing for quite a few years, and I've seen lots of different um, errors, unfortunately, in healthcare. And I've also seen how a culture of safety can be created. And today, safety is probably one of the most important things that we think about as our healthcare systems and protocols and just everything we do becomes more complex. So I'm happy to be here. Yes, certainly as as the healthcare environment does become more complex, there's just more ways that we that medical errors can happen so it's very important to talk about errors and how to prevent those and really have transparency and open discussion so dr holloway um we talk a lot about when we when we discuss medical errors um, we talk about a root cause analysis and really getting to the root of the problem to solve the issue so what is a root cause analysis all right, so a root cause analysis, or also known as RCA, that acronym, it's really a structured systematic method used to analyze adverse events. Initially, this was used in the industries for industrial accidents, but now it's widely used as an error analysis tool in healthcare. What we really want to do, or the central idea of a root cause analysis, is to under, excuse me, identify underlying problems that could increase the likelihood of errors. And we really do not want to get into the trap of focusing on mistakes by specific individuals. The, the great thing about root cause analysis is that it uses a systems approach. And it's looking for both active errors, which can occur all the way to the point of where the human and the system interact. And it can look at latent errors, and these are hidden problems within healthcare systems that can contribute to adverse events. It's really, root cause analysis is really one of the most widely used methods for detecting and analyzing safety hazards. And I think root cause analysis really goes along with what the Joint Commission calls creating not only a safe culture, but a just culture, where the blame isn't really put on that specific individual, but 
the system or the process that may have an error. So, Dr. Hawken, before we talk about a medical error or issue in particular, I'm just going to give a basic example of how a root cause analysis might work. So, the problem is someone ran through a red light. So, I'm going to ask five why questions. So, why did you run through the red light? Because I was late for work. Why were you late for work? Because I woke up late. Why did you wake up late? Because my alarm clock was broken. Why was the alarm clock broken? Because I didn't check to see if it worked. Why didn't you check to see if it worked? I forgot to do it before I went to sleep. That's a very simplistic example, but you can see the questions were asked and the, the issue really was the alarm clock wasn't working and it wasn't checked. So it caused all those other steps to occur and then the patient or person ran through a red light. So Dr. Hawken, would you like to go over and um, share information? Yes, thank you, Dr. Holloway. And that was a great uh, basic example of how root cause analysis works in practice. Um, or in real life. And so I just wanted to share a little bit from my clinical background. Um, I um, have a clinical background in a large hospital setting, and we really strived very hard to have a culture of safety. We had a lot of transparency within the hospital um, on medical errors. We had transparency with the community, um, and we really wanted to make things better and have better outcomes, patient outcomes. So one of the, the basic steps that we had in place or basic interventions is a reporting system. So we had a no-fault reporting system in which um, anyone could go ahead and report an, an adverse event or a near miss. We also encourage near misses. People could do so anonymously or they could also um, go ahead and put their name on the report. We did encourage people to put their name so that we could accurately follow up on the events or near misses. It made it a little more difficult if somebody would submit something anonymous, but we would still try to work through those processes. And again, anything that was reported was not punitive. We wanted people to feel like they could share errors because if you make something punitive or you write somebody up or have corrective action, then people are not going to be transparent about those medical errors and the medical errors are going to go ahead and continue on um, because there's no identification. There's no one looking at those processes or problems and, and no one's identifying any solutions. So again, having a good basis for a reporting system is incredibly important. After that, um, we, you know, we had lots of reports of near misses, lots of minor events, so we would um, follow up uh, with those 
individuals on those events. We would ask questions of the stakeholders. It was always important, you know, if it was a medical or a medication issue, we would get pharmacy involved, ask some questions there. Um, if it was maybe a uh, patient fall or an injury, we would get the staff that were working with the patient at that time of the event involved, ask questions, and then, um, go ahead and, and fill out the report and work through the steps of trying to identify what could have gone better. Now, in larger events where there was actual patient harm or employee harm, we would have a formalized root cause analysis. And so in the beginning stages of, of when, before we even sat down at the table, we really wanted to identify all of those stakeholders that could be involved in the event. So again, it depends on the event, um, that would depend on the stakeholders that were, would be present. Um, certainly the people that were present at the time of the event, regardless of their discipline, we would want them to be, you know, involved in that root cause analysis. Um, and then we would do a little bit of preliminary interview work with people that were involved um, and come together with a time that would work for everyone to physically meet and discuss the event and formally work through that root cause analysis process. And when I think of medical errors, I always appreciated the analogy of that Swiss cheese model. So, as you know, Swiss cheese has various holes. They don't all align. Um, they're kind of haphazard. There's a lot of stopping points, but every once in a while, um, you know, an error or there may be a direction through that Swiss cheese that gets all the way to the other side because those holes align just perfectly in that event. And that's a lot of times what a medical error looks like. We, it's not that we don't have processes in place. It's not that we're not trying to prevent errors, um, but sometimes things align just perfectly to bypass all of our stops and get through the Swiss cheese and lead to an actual event. Um, so again, I really, I like to visualize that and think of that as how a medical error occurs. So that's a little um, background on the steps of creating a culture of safety in terms of incident reporting. Um, another thing that we did when, before I had left um, the organization and, and come to Chamberlain full time was um, the entire organization was attending culture of safety training. And this was everyone from the, our house uh, keeping service to our food service workers, everyone in the entire hospital was in, attending a two hour training that um, really talked about the importance of medical errors, uh, the incidence of medical errors. Um, we had a round table open discussion on how those could be prevented and how we could work as a team. And so those are the kinds of events and education that are really important for an organization to undertake and, in, and invest invest financially, invest time, invest people to really make sure that that organization was um, transparent in following those culture of safety um, protocols and tips. So, Dr. Holloway, I think I will provide an, another, as I am talking, an example from practice in terms of root cause analysis. And then um, if you wanted to go ahead and share after that, that would be great. Um, so, one of the, one of the major events that 
I can think of in my mind is um, I was working with a patient um, who was having some low blood pressures and she was somewhat somnolent, um, not very responsive and just not doing well. And so I'm looking at her medications and I'm thinking, why do we, you know, we've been holding this blood pressure medication, but she's still getting her other medication and, you know, things are just not really making sense. And, and so I'm looking at, through her medications and then I go back to her admission medication reconciliation page. And I'm noticing on this that that had not the, the most recent dates that were on that medication reconciliation were from eight months prior. And I'm thinking, well, this doesn't make sense. Maybe I'm on the wrong page. Maybe I didn't refresh the screen because these dates should be consistent with the dates of this admission. Because every time we had a patient, you know, come to the hospital, even if they had just been there a few days before, if they were returning, we would update that medication reconciliation list. And so I, I couldn't figure out why that why it had been dated back and there wasn't a recent version. So I called the pharmacy and the pharmacy said, you know, we are seeing the same thing. It looks like this patient's medication reconciliation had not been updated. And so they went ahead and contacted the long term care facility that the patient was from. The long term care facility sent an updated list of medications, and it was vastly different than the list of medications from eight months prior that we were going off. In fact, all of the patient's blood pressure medications had been discontinued, and there was other changes in terms of antidepressants and antipsychotic, and, and just a whole host, this patient had a lot of medications going on. So in essence, we were giving these, this patient an entire, like, 11 medications that were not either the correct medication or the correct dose. And because this patient, you know, was from a long-term care facility, had some cognitive deficiencies, they were unable to be an advocate for themselves. So certainly we got that list updated right away. I filled out an incident report and certainly because of the magnitude of this error, while the patient, um, you know, recovered and the blood pressure came up and she became more alert, um, she was certainly affected by this event, even, um, even though it wasn't long-term effects, there was certainly short-term effects. So this was definitely an event where we needed to sit down and have a broader discussion about this issue. So we had all of the stakeholders involved in terms of the physician, myself as a nurse, um, we had the unit manager, we had a representative from the long-term care facility and other administrators and our patient safety um, personnel who led the root cause analysis was there as well. And so we really, you know, talked about the background of pro pro problem and we asked these whys. So why was the medication reconciliation not done on admission? Well, the physician was busy and left it to the nurse in the pharmacy to do the medication admission reconciliation, which was common. It was either the pharmacist or the admitting nurse who would do that medication reconciliation. The pharmacist had 
conferred with the nurse who said that she had time to do the med rec and would get that done. However, the nurse found that she didn't have time on admission, so it was not done. And then the physician did not look to make sure that those dates had been updated and that the list was current and went ahead and reordered all of those meds to be given inpatient. Then, once those medications were ordered and the nurse was going to the patient to give them their medications, the patient again had cognitive disability to not be able to verbalize what medications she was on and why. So she went ahead and took the medications on the, you know, trust and, and, um, you know, respect for the nurse and it became, you know, more and more hypotensive and somnolent. So again, asking all those why questions is really getting down, you know, to the root of the problem. What, what was the cause of this problem? And really the cause of the problem was that there was not a clearly identified person who was completing these medication reconciliations on admission. Now, again, there were several stops. There was the pharmacy, there was the nurse, there was the physician, there was then a going back again for the pharmacy verification. And all of these, um, this error bypassed all of those stop points in that Swiss cheese model and went right through um, to having an actual event occur. So, unfortunately, um, you know, the patient did suffer some short-term consequence, but what the group decided was to have one person designated to complete those admission reconciliations, and that was going to be the role of the pharmacy technician on admission in the emergency department or up on the unit. And once we instituted that, having one identifiable person that was responsible for completing those, we really saw very few errors in the following you know, few years after that was implemented. So thank you, Dr. Holloway, for letting me share a little bit from my clinical practice. Wow, what a, well, I want to say what a great root cause analysis example. Um, it was unfortunate um, error, but what a great example for our students listening to this about what can happen and how uh, the process had a missing piece there when that medication reconciliation did not get updated either before the patient left or right when the patient came to the hospital. It was a great example of all the stakeholders that need to be involved in something like this. And I think it also, the underlying worry was for the process there, but more than that, it was for the patient. And it makes such good sense that their blood pressure kept, you know, going down and that their somnolence just kept going on because they weren't getting the correct medications. And again, this shows how it was a very transparent type of analysis. Um, all the stakeholders were there, starting with where the patient came from, that long-term care uh, organization. There was no finger pointing at any one person, which really 
as you stated earlier, Dr. Hawkins, makes people more likely to report um, near misses, not so much that go to the air, but to report those near misses so that patient safety is maintained. Um, I took a couple notes while you were talking. I Oh, the other thing that I noticed that was excellent, you could tell that from your example, you really went through the why, why, why questioning. And at the center, you know, we say we, we provide patient-centered care. If we think about our patient being in the center, even of that root cause analysis, in this case, that patient could not advocate for themselves. That makes a big difference. If the patient would have not been cognitively impaired or so sleepy and somnolent, they perhaps could have helped a little bit and shortened the process. But the patient was still at the center. And I think when I was listening to your air, I think the biggest key word or concept that comes to my mind was communication. There was a breakdown in communication, basically, between the physician, well, between the long-term care, the physician, the nursing staff, and the pharmacy, because that med reconciliation didn't get done. But what a great example of how this process can truly work. And by doing that, you said the outcome was after this that there were fewer, if any, you know, med errors because one department was um, significant in doing those reconciliations, either from the ER or from the nursing units themselves. Great example. Thank you so much, Dr. Holloway. Yes, and and really, um, you noted the communication was a huge issue within this example and really communication is the number one reason why medical errors happen. I mean communication is has been identified as the number one reason for medical errors. So very important to have that open communication as a team, um, never feeling afraid to speak up or ask, you know, ask a question if you see something that doesn't make sense. Um, you know, better to speak up than to remain silent and then have have something um negative happen to a patient or or a coworker, you know. Um exactly. the medical field, it's not just, we certainly care about our patients, our patients are at the center, but we also have a lot of um, issues and errors that occur that can harm our team and our staff. So um, certainly all kinds of, um, you know, all kinds of issues that can arise. And again, that transparency, open communication, education, getting together as a team and doing those root cause analysis to identify the problem and then putting processes and protocols in place to try to help to um, improve outcomes and improve safety. So thank you so much, Dr. Holloway, for joining me today. 
I appreciate your discussion on root cause analysis and um, certainly creating a culture of safety is imperative within the healthcare system across healthcare settings across patient and employee populations. Um, it's really all part of our goal to make our systems better and to improve, you know, the patient and, and employee outcomes. Is there anything that you would like to add, Dr. Holloway, before we close today? I don't think so. I think we pretty much covered it all. Your examples were uh, right on with what we're trying to get across about creating that um, culture of safety and having this be a non-punitive type of process involving teamwork, communication, and all for the, the best high-quality care that we can uh, provide to our patients. Great. Well, thank you for joining me today. And uh, thank you for listening to our podcast on creating a culture of safety. Take care. Now that you've explored some important concepts related to your modules, if you have not done so already, please turn your attention to the course materials in your online course for additional application and practice of these concepts.